Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. A lot of good feedback on our podcast yesterday with Kevin Sorbo. And today we've got John Leffler back with us. Uh, We'll get to him in just a minute. Uh, We just do want to share the topic today. We're going to really spend some time looking at an article that I thought was very, very well written called The Europeanized USA. So we'll get to that, but we're going to look at current news and some other articles as well. I've got one on the climate fear propaganda. Boy, fear is a big thing they're driving in the last uh, year or two, but let's open in prayer because we need it today and every day. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us this day of life, health, strength. We know that we can do all things through you. Uh, Your word says that uh, when we pray and ask for wisdom, you give it generously, and Lord, we need it, and please increase our faith and also our discernment, Lord. Help us be more sensitive and aware of the deception, not only out there in our culture and around the world, but what's seeping into the churches, Father. Help us to address these things. Please send more uh, patriots, more warriors to the fight, and Lord, help us to continue to remember that you are sovereign over all things. We ask for your strength today. And we just pray that you direct our steps and direct this conversation. Encourage people with the truth and also warn and uh, challenge them if they've been a little apathetic lately. Lord, there's no time to waste. Help us to redeem the time today and every day, one day at a time in Jesus' name. Amen. We're blessed to have John Leffler back with us. Of course, he hosts the podcast Steel on Steel Radio, and we're going to weigh in on current news. And by the way, his website, you can get to that real easily at steelonsteel.com. John Leffler, good morning, brother. Good morning. It's early here on the West Coast. Yes, it is. And thank you for waking up early with us. Um, yeah, I see that's that's your first mistake. You're yeah. assuming I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, I have no excuse. I we're two hours later, and I still still feel like man, I just didn't. I th- thought I was in bed for eight hours. I don't know how much I actually slept. So uh, God is uh, he he can do amazing things with that. When we are weak, he is strong. Um, well, tell us about the recent guests you've had on, and a little bit about uh, what you've been doing on Steel on Steel before we jump into these topics today. Well, remember that uh, what we do on our show is um, economics, politics, and religion from a worldview perspective. And we don't, you know, I don't do like, say, what Dan Bongino does and follow things in politics day to day. Mm-hmm. What we try to do is interpret for people what's going on and showing you the underlying dynamics. So everything that we're focusing on, whether it's in the political arena, the religious arena, economic, is to take the overview. We call it the 30,000-foot view. Mm-hmm. And so we have guests on that rotate in that type of narrative because all three of these areas interconnect. That's a mistake if people doesn't, don't think that you can't interconnect these things, that your philosophy of uh, your philosophy, your religious values, moral values will be immediately reflected in your political values. And the type of government you form, the type of laws you pass will all reflect what you believe to be right and wrong. And that follows in the economic arena, too, as far as integrity, ethics, morals, etc., that goes in the marketplace. And if the religion, if the religious values of the culture don't inform the politicians of what laws they want, then the government will create its own religion and then try to force that down on everybody else. And that's what you see today. That's why we're in this terrible, terrible battle that we are in. It's been brewing for 50 years it, this did not come upon anybody unannounced. It was there if you just looked. A lot of uh, people and pastors didn't want to look at it and refused to deal with it, even as their kids were robbed away from them in public schools. Um, and now here we have a battle. You have a secular materialist view that is determined to be the dominating force in our culture mm. and that they are determined to expunge Christianity as the basis and Western civilization 
underneath all of the nonsense we're seeing today about racism and this and and Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all of the fight, remember this is nothing but surface issues underlying a war against Christianity and against Western civilization. They are trying to tear it down, which is what Marxists have been doing for 150 years. They're yes. really good at tearing things down. Terrific. They're just lousy at putting anything together. Nothing that they have ever put together has ever worked. Exactly. And uh, that one of the things we're talking about today, the uh, increase of the threat of socialism and communism in America, which 50 plus years ago, our grandparents and great grandparents, you almost can hear them say that could never happen in America, but they could just simply not envision what's happening today. Of course, the Internet wasn't uh, available and all, all the things that the, the drastic changes in, in government run education and our media and the deep state, they didn't foresee that. And so now it's here. Um, John, and I like that you said that it is a battle. It's a worldview war and Christianity. Jesus is the target. And I just happened to open up Romans 1 just before we started this podcast. We could do uh, several shows on just Romans 1, but I just want to encourage people at the very beginning of that letter to the church in Rome, what Paul wrote, he was set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all Gentiles in behalf of his name, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ. So I just want to get back to that foundation because that's who we are. We call ourselves Christians. We believe in his name. We are saved. And this is the battle that we're seeing played out. It's It's gone from, you know, maybe a couple decades ago where we knew there was spiritual warfare, John. <laughs> now we're actually seeing it and they're making no apologies for attacking everything that's moral, that's godly, that's that has any biblical principles as its foundation. That includes America, right? Yeah, it does. And as a matter of fact, uh, the enemy is not only just attacking now, and you have to love the enemy. This is important to understand. <laughs> the people that are endorsing this wokeism, they will be trashed by the very cancel culture that they are espousing. It chews everybody up. Hmm. Cancel culture cancels Christ. But since you mentioned a radical like Paul in the <laughs> scriptures, um, it's important to remember that all of the words that Paul uses are offensive words. I don't mean offensive like I've said something that you're upset about, but they are aggressive words. He says, run as if to win, stand, resist, hmm. contend for the faith. Amen. It's always a positive pushing forth struggle. And the church in this country forgot that. But now it has a crisis on its hands. And even today, you have a lot of pastors really reluctant to engage in this battle, despite the fact it's now at your door. Hmm. So it's not that we don't understand the nature of the battle. It's that you can't convince certain people that it needs to be fought both in the spiritual realm and then in the physical realm, because it will destroy everything. If these aren't the end times, remember, Antichrist is going to get his kingdom. Okay. Uh, if these aren't the end times, then this is a pushback. That's why I call these the Roaring Twenties. This is the time of reform that comes upon every single culture and organization that becomes corrupt. And we're dealing with massive levels of corruption in government mm -hmm. and in the media, etc. But you have a choice. You can either speak out now and bear the consequences or not be able to speak just a little later but you're still going to suffer the consequences. Yep. Amen, brother. Um, let's dive into this. By the way, you just interviewed uh, Dr. Alex Jaffe. Is it, did you say you talked to him yesterday? Yeah, I talked to him yesterday, right, for our podcast later on. I think we're doing it later this week. Okay, excellent, excellent. So I'll encourage people to link to that, or we'll try to get that link in our post today. But great article called The Europeanized USA. Let's jump into this. And I just want to read the executive summary at the very beginning America is undergoing a rapid transformation founded in moral panic over race that masks the exercise of class-based power in which technology companies and left-wing politics have united to wield unprecedented 
control. John, let's stop there because we've seen that leading up to the election last year, the power and the control. We never imagined how the Internet and big tech and media companies that were left-leaning or Democrat companies, Democrat media, could actually influence public opinion and change election outcomes. Your thoughts on just the opening of the summary of this article? Yeah, the tragedy, and this is the tragedy, is that one of the rights that we really enshrined in our country was freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom of religions, First Amendment to the Bill of Rights. The founders thought it was so important to put it in there. It is really tragic that the people who run the social media companies don't don't recognize that this value is summarily important and they are trying to be the adjudicators of what is right and what is wrong what is true what is false and so in a fair fight you and i could make our case in the marketplace of public ideas it's not a fair fight anymore exactly because we have the what's become the increasingly radicalized leftist democratic party of which there were three sections we can go back to that if you want in a minute and they have aligned with the media who no longer report news, but are purveyors of narrative. That's number two, coupled with the censorship going on on the social media sites, although we have new sites opening up right now. Mike Lindell just opened one. There are others like Parler. No, not Parler. Um, there are some others that are out there, and I think uh, former President Trump is going to bring one online too. So they have lined up to suppress the speech of the opposite side under the justification that they were the, they're the great and the good. And for some reason, we who hold the values that built the country, got rid of slavery, uh, established more freedom and prosperity for people, and was still working towards that even in the time of Martin Luther King, somehow we have become evil when in reality they're espousing what I call a postmodern uh, neo-Marxism. It's a classicism that's going on. Well, you know, what's interesting is I'm reading the biography of Reinhard Heydrich right now. And Heydrich was the the head of the Gestapo and the SS and the hmm. SD who began the whole process. He didn't finish it because he was assassinated in Prague, uh, but he began the process of the Holocaust. They thought they were doing a good thing, building the greater Germany at the time and getting rid of lesser classes. They wanted to get rid of Catholics. They knew the Catholics really had to go. They had to get rid of the Jews, the gypsies, the homosexuals. They were doing a thing in building the master race, blah, blah, blah. It's the same deal today. They are imbued with power. They're full of hubris, and they view their job to suppress and stomp out all of the dissent. We're in dire peril. I don't mm. think people realize where we are mm. you know, right now. Uh, and it was Dr. Jaffe's article that sort of summarize where the battle is. It's almost like you're at halftime, you know, as the <laughs> band comes out to play. He says, okay, here we are in the middle of this battle. Uh, and where is everything? So I don't know how you want to attack it, David, but we'll go from there. Well, let's talk about the next point he makes before he even gets into all of the, uh, the processes that are familiar to Europeans that have taken hold here in the U.S. Before he gets to those bullet points, he says this, and I'm wondering, John, if he's alluding to a separation of states or he says the outcome will likely be a union of Europeanized states where freedoms are severely curtailed and social cohesion is minimized in favor of dependency. Could you explain what uh, he's saying there? He, he basically says that Europe has never really embraced uh, freedom and the freedom of speech and the freedoms we know. It's been through a totally different history. Now, bear in mind that, excuse me, that Great Britain is an exception to that. Um, and because that's where our traditions come from. Whereas the traditions that came out of the French Revolution, the Enlightenment, were founded on a whole different principle. And it never really rooted there. You look at our beginnings, we founded ours in the idea that all men are created equal. And that would include blacks and other minorities. It took a while to get to that truth but it was originally put there, and even Jefferson recognized it, despite the fact that he was a slave owner, um, that mankind has an inherent penchant to evil, and that that evil, which can also permeate institutions, has to be suppressed by the division of power, so that no one has too much power in any area. The forces today are trying to reverse all of that. They're trying to bring it into a single-party system, 
in which the Supreme Court just rubber stamps everything that goes on. It'll be a virtual, if we just rig the elections, it'll be a virtual one-party system like the fine state of California has had, which has wrecked itself and mm -hmm. is wrecking itself. Mm -hmm. I know that because in our area of the country, we are swamped with people who have run away from California. We have no housing available, none. It's wow. just gone. Um, so that's, that's what we founded ours on. The European models came out of the Enlightenment. Now, if somebody tries to run along, a secular materialist is going to tell you, well, we got all these ideas about freedom from the French Revolution. That's balderdash. We got these ideas about freedom from the Protestant Reformation that started 200 years earlier, prior to the Enlightenment period, in which that proceeded. There's a wonderful book out now uh, by Cesar Vidal called A World in Change, Patriotism in a World of Globalism. And he left Spain because of the pressure he was receiving. He's living here in the U.S. now, Dr. Vidal. It's a worthwhile book because he goes through the history of how we e evolve these ideas of freedom and patriotism and other ideas that have made us prosperous and free. The flip side, the French Revolution started by rejecting God hmm. and saying that every gentle citizen, every person is really a very good person. And if we just let that little good person out, everything will be fine. Wow. Well, what happened? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what happened? The French Revolution fell apart. 30,000 people were either guillotined or drowned. Uh, or I, I think that's the, to the, the death toll. It was huge. The reign of terror. Remember what I said about wokeism will even devour its own. The reign of terror devoured its own. Robespierre went to the guillotine along with everybody else. And then France went through five changes of government in the time we've had one. Meanwhile, Germany was trying to evolve itself under Bismarck and pull itself together, and Germany managed to drag the whole world into two wars over the course of less than 100 years. Hmm. So the whole idea of freedoms in, in Europe and how they're even dealing with it today are far different than ours. Hey, John, I, I can go ahead. I can go yeah, on, but you need to do what you we, need. We've to got do. three minutes left before we need to take our first break, and you said something that I'm having a hard time understanding how that will play out and that even the left because of wokeism and and everything that's going on now they will eat themselves i don't understand i understand how christians are going to be taken down conservatives republicans independents those who resist uh the global the the great reset and you know liberalism and the democrat party and the, the race everything that's that's going on right now with black lives matter those who speak against that i understand but you said the the left, I don't know how you worded it, how will they be affected by this? Okay, there are different groups on the left. We've had two civil wars going, one in the Democratic Party, one in the Republican Party. I want to focus on the Democratic one. There are four, actually four categories of people on the left as the Democratic Party, uh, as Professor Pe Kessler, by the way, in a speech at Hillsdale about six years ago, predicted that they would become more and more radicalized. The first group are your nominal Democrats. That they're, they're everyday people you run into, your family members. They watch a bit of the news. They think about this and they think, oh, well, I'm in favor of climate change prevention or I want to save the planet or I want to be against racism and they vote that way. The next group are the true believers. The true believers who really believe that we're a racist, terrible, bad society, and we have to stomp and stomp and stomp. They're looking across the horizon for every neo-Nazi that they could see coming across the horizon of the ocean, you know, to try to stomp it out right as it's there. They have an orthodoxy. See, they're running on an orthodoxy. This is what you need to understand. Mm -hmm. And the, maybe we need to talk about woke thinking when we get back from the break. Sure. And I'll show you why this is. And anybody who deviates just even in the slightest scunch will be chewed up by their own. Immediately, they, they will be attacked even more viciously than they would attack you or me. The third group, the next layer up, are the power, money, and control people. These are the ones like the founders of Black Lives Matter who go and buy million-dollar mansions right in Seattle uh, that understand it's about power, it's about money, it's about control. They use the layer underneath them to get into power. And the fourth layer, that's the spiritual layer. I call them the zeitgeisters. That's <laughs> where Satan works his stuff. These people work in the background. They're the funders uh, and the drivers, and they don't like to be in the public view. The reason it will chew everybody else up is once the power, money, and control people get into control, and this has happened with every Marxist revolution, they don't want the true believers around. Mm. The true believers will suddenly realize they've been had. 
they're not going to get what they thought they were going to get. Like in Castro's Cuba, they thought they were going to get a free republic. Guess what? They got a Marxist dictatorship, which was worse than the Batista dictatorship. Wow. And so they will be attacked. They're the first ones to go to the wall, so to speak, and to be shot when the power, money, and control people come in. And since the values are changing constantly, then from day to day, we're all shucking and jiving, to use a phrase from Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, we're shucking and jiving here, trying to keep track of what's right, what's wrong, what we can say, what we can't say, knowing that people are going to viciously come down your throat if you say the wrong thing. That's why it will devour them as well. You have to care about these people mm. because they're being deceived by... A, a cause when in reality it's a worldview battle. Amen. Worldview battle. We've got so much more coming up next with John Leffler, including the bullet points in this article, the Europeanized USA, an entirely new path has been charted, especially now when uh, Democrats have control of so much. And we'll talk about woke thinking. and We'll define that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth with John Leffler. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, John Leffler. And John, before we get to woke thinking and, and have you explain that and define that, um, I do want to mention, since this is tomorrow, I've got an alert from Mission America and Linda Harvey about the propaganda with the Day of Silence. It's a radical day of silence in government-run schools, public schools across the country. Many, many, not all, many, I would say even most middle schools and high schools, tomorrow they're having this Day of Silence. Um, the Students are persuaded by the GLSEN, Gay, Lesbian, Straight Network, to uh, just stand up for LGBT uh, issues. And it's true that there's bullying, but what they do is they never talk about bullying when it comes to Christians or others. It's all the LGBT are always the victims. So just keep, if you have students in public schools, be aware of the LGBT, the GLSEN, Day of Silence tomorrow. And we should stand for bullying no matter who it's against, but this is deception. It's not all about bullying. So I just wanted to get that out there, get more at missionamerica.com. Uh, Tomorrow is the day of silence. Uh, you can keep your kids home. Uh, I, that's what I would suggest. So, John, <laughs> woke thinking, kind of nice transition here. Everybody's trying to be woke today and be politically correct. But would you explain where this came from? It seems like it's just in the last year, this word woke or wokeness is now something that we have to be concerned about. Why? Um, do you want to go through the history of how we got here and, well, you know, in a minute or it, so? It, or? Yes, it seems relatively new. And a lot of people are going, what the heck is this woke stuff? Okay, here's, here's where this came through. Um, for the last 50 years, academia, remember ideas go from a few elites in academia to general academia into the general population of younger people and then out into the whole population and finally into politics. Yes. So for the last 50 years, these new ideas coming out of postmodernism, meaning there are no absolute truths, no, no absolute values, we all clarify our own values, has been taught in education. It was a reaction to existentialism. The media just marched right along with this. However, starting in the late 1980s, a guy by the name of Rush Limbaugh <laughs> uh, started a radio show. I think it was in 1988. Two years later, we started my show. I've been in radio since 1965. But we switched and went into this daily talk format uh, to try to counteract the, the nonsense the media were putting out and the news stories that weren't there. The first time you saw the reaction to this was the Republican Revolution of 1994, when Republicans had finally had it. They saw the, the problems with the, the increasingly radicalization of the Democratic Party and what its policies were doing in the public marketplace and in law. That didn't do too much because there was the establishment. But what happened by about the mid-90s, talk radio was rolling, and then we had Internet newspapers, and then you could listen to shows in other parts of the country on the Internet that you couldn't hear locally. So the explosion of new information, I call it the independent media from the establishment group, and suddenly the watchers, the established media, had watchers watching them. Hmm. That really came out in 2008, 
2008 was the Tea Party movement where people said, okay, we've had it. We want less government. We want government to operate in its bounds. We want lower taxes. We want you to get back to the principles of the founders. Immediately, the media jumped up and down and went, oh my gosh, racism, racism, racism. Now, there wasn't anything racism in the platform, but you know, racism is that cheap card. Right about that point, between 2008 and the election of President Donald Trump and the Brexit vote in Great Britain, mm. it began to dawn on people on the radical left who had been marching, da-da, 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 and they're assuming everybody's behind them. And they turn around and they notice, why, there's a whole bunch of people in this country that haven't been following us. As a matter of fact, they're going the other way. Yeah. Okay. And, that's, and they woke up to this fact. So that's where wokeism wow. comes from. Okay. And so I call them the slept because <laughs> they have gone back to sleep and they don't realize that they're not espousing anything new. It's not a reform. They're talking about a radical transformation of the culture. They're not just talking about fixing broken things. They're talking about remaking it, that everything that we are is a no good, very bad, perfectly awful, horrible, racist, xenophobic, <laughs> genocidal state, and that, that there's nothing redeemable about the United States or Western civilization. That's the viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to know how they think, I'll lead you through it. Okay. Here's postmodern thought. Number one, it's relative. There are no absolutes. Right. It relates to what the elites and the group are saying is truth today. Logic need not apply. Facts need not apply. Now, because of that, it leads us to point number two. It's consensus driven. In other words, they tell each other in blue bubble land, doo -doo 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 -doo. they're always virtue signaling to each other mm -hmm. that what they're doing, they're the great and the good. Out here, we're stupid, the unwashed masses. They're leading us to the great, bright future. But because they know nothing of history due to the change of history teaching in public schools, they don't know they're leading us right into the same old neo-Marxist fascism that we've had before, okay, that has been around the world. So it's consensus-driven. Everybody, as President Vaclav Havel of the Czech Republic wrote in his book, uh, on his essay on this whole thing, Everybody has to give lip service to the lie. Mm. And again, wow. logic need not apply. The only unpardonable sin here is to dissent from the consensus. That's mm -hmm. important. Now, the next problem that we have is that it's constantly changing because it's based on relative ideas. And one day what's good today is bad tomorrow. What's moral today is immoral tomorrow. Are you talking about moving the goalposts, John? <laughs> not, not only moving the goalposts, but light is dark, dark is light, good is evil, yeah. evil is good. It's constantly changing. Mm. So it's all consensus. We all have to shuck and jive back and forth with their newly emerging woked ideas or slept ideas. And as a result of this, most of the truths, if you look at what they're teaching us, are all self-contradicting. They will contradict themselves mm. from day to day and from year to year. And what they said was true in 2015 is no longer true in 2021. Or it's a different standard if we apply it to liberals or conservatives. And we see this double standardism all over the place. And the last characteristic, and you have to remember this, this is in the minds of individuals, is that it's compartmentalized. Hmm. And that is, in their minds, they will have different truth categories so in your sex life, you have one category. In your religious life, you have another category. In your how you deal with people on the street or at school is a different category. And you can have contradictions inside each of the categories. And the only unpardonable sin is to connect the two categories together where you confront them with that. Hmm. So it's really important. You and I have a basis in Christianity, okay, in the Scripture. And our worldview is there. You could come to me and, and say, uh, John, I really think there are four persons in the, in the Holy Trinity instead of three, you know. Uh, and I'd look at you and go, all right, David, what have you been drinking? Um, <laughs> but and, and maybe you and I would chit-chat about it, and we'd debate it and dispute it. That does not shake our worldview. And finally, David would say, John, you're right. It's a junky idea. I'm going to get rid of it. Okay. The woke person because it's consensus-driven, and they're telling each other that it's good and great and everything they're doing is fine, any challenge to any part of their worldview threatens the entire worldview. It's a house of cards built up on sand, not on a solid foundation, as Christ told us to build. And anything threatens to bring it down. That's why 
say, when somebody like Brandon Stracker, the gay hairdresser from Brooklyn, decides to walk away from the Democratic Party because he discovered they weren't telling him the truth mm-hmm. and that the media weren't telling him the truth about, say, people out here in flyover land. He has to be viciously attacked. You can't have anybody leaving the pack. Same thing in colleges. A professor who dares to speak out will be viciously attacked by his colleagues. He will be shunned. There will be demands for his ouster. Now, even though this is the same mouths telling us we want safe spaces for people, they don't care about students who dissent. They don't want safe spaces for them. So they say they're tolerant. But they're the most intolerant people I have ever met. Yes. They say they're diverse. They don't want diversity. They want everybody going Zeke Heil and marching in the same direction. <laughs> yeah. Everything they're telling us, they contradict. Mm-hmm. That's why we can't go along with it. Cancel culture cancels Christ. You've got mm-hmm. to understand that. Yes. And it's becoming very anti-Semitic. We see that in Europe and Great Britain. It's growing here. It is. How much does cognitive dissidence play into this when when they it seems like they can justify their double standards and their own hypocrisy today? That's because they compartmentalize. Remember, Mm -hmm. in other words, when you when you compartmentalize, okay, over here, uh, there are three categories in their minds. Okay, this is I describe this lightheartedly. Uh, Number one are the great and the good. That's what they are. Number two are conservatives. Uh, Those are the people who disagree with them a little, maybe in laws demand a few changes, tinker around the edges, but have the good sense not to get in the way. (laughs) The extremists are the people who say, this is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. You're wrecking the country. Stop. We're not going any further and we will fight you. They go, you're extreme. Notice that the words controversial, extreme in the media are never used with anybody on the left. It's always somebody on the left. The right. Exactly. Right. And that's why the compartmentalization. I had a pastor take me to lunch. Oh, you know, you say, John, I'll take you to lunch. Hey, free food. I'm there. And um, he said, I don't understand this. In Sunday school, we're teaching the kids the Bible. But on Monday, they're doing drugs. They're shacking up with their girlfriend. I don't understand this. And I looked at him and said, well, pastor, your problem is that you think it's what you're teaching. It's not what you're teaching. It's how these people have been taught to think mm-hmm. in public schools. Yes. And I began to describe exactly what I just told you. And you could see his eyes getting bigger and bigger, <laughs> you know, yeah. because he said, you're describing our kids. Yeah. How about that? And this is what I'm trying to tell pastors. Mm. You can give them all the Bible training you want, but if you don't address this different worldview and how Christianity separates from that, Once somebody debunks even the truth of the Bible, anything you've taught them gets thrown in the trash can. That's how dangerous this is. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, John, we now have to go down this path that you just, you opened up a door. One of the main emails or calls or concerns I hear from people across the country is my pastor, usually most churches that people listen to Santa for the truth, they're, they're sound doctrine, right? So let's just say, let's just say that's a given. They say, why don't we hear more about how the enemy plays, like what, how they're thinking and how, what, what instead of the, this is good teaching in the church, but the pastor is not addressing some of these crucial issues and explaining and equipping us to deal with this the wokeness, the moral relativism, this this thinking that's based on a depraved mind. I think we need to just touch on that a little bit because what you said in your conversation with that pastor, I wish more of those conversations could take place across the country because I think a lot of pastors even think, boy, I'm going through the Word of God, I'm teaching, you know, verse by verse, and yet some of our people are really struggling with what's happening in our culture. Right, and or you will hear parents send their kids off to college and they come on and say, I can't talk to my kids anymore. Because you're both talking two different languages. Mm. That's why everybody's speaking English, but nobody's speaking the same language. Mm. Um, the problems that you have in the church with pastors, first of all, they didn't see this coming. Right. Uh, most of them didn't understand that there were radical changes underway, even though there were voices like mine and others screaming, get your kids out of public school. It's great danger that's coming. And they'd go, oh, no, everybody sit down. Don't worry. It's just, you know, he's a little extreme. <laughs> uh, but now they don't understand these things. Mm. Number two, 
this wokeism is now flooding into fundamental evangelical Pentecostal churches. Yeah. It's already overrun the Catholic Church. It's overrun the Episcopalian Church, um, etc. And they don't understand. In other words, does a fish know that it's in water? Does a fish know that it's wet? It doesn't. And so if they're raised in that worldview, they bring that worldview into the church. And you're seeing a lot of it from youth pastors who themselves are sort of teenage wannabes again. Um, I hate to be snidey and snarty about it, but sometimes it's that, that don't understand this battle. If your youth pastor does understand this battle, he will want to begin training the youth in the school, in, in his church, to challenge, at least in their minds, if not openly, because there's a penalty now, remember, for challenging mm -hmm. things openly, um, what's going on. But you have to teach them how to think. Yes. You have to teach them logic and critical thinking. It's not just enough to do Bible teaching. It just takes one philosophy professor to cast doubt on the veracity of the Scriptures. If you have not trained them, you can take eight years of scriptural training. They will throw it right in the trash can and keep on moving. Mm. Uh, that's how vicious this is yes. and how desperate it is. Yes, it is. Um, John, we've got about two and a half minutes left uh, before we need to take our next break. So let's talk about one of the bullet points in this article about the warning about a Europeanized USA. And it talks about um, several things taking hold, including massive censorship of the media or self-censorship. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a study here from Media Research Center, Newsbusters, that uh, Trump pretty much had 93% negative coverage from the top you know, media in the country, whereas Biden is getting, right now, just with the COVID issue, the pandemic, he's getting 79% positive coverage. That's quite the contrast. But media right. is also censoring big tech and the actual media. Share your thoughts. I know we just got, just have two minutes on this point. Now, you're talking about, I, I think what you mean is virtual President Harris, don't you? Instead yeah, of, uh, exactly. President, Biden. Right. Pre President Harris to be. Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and even that has been suppressed. VP. The difficulties, you know, and I don't wish Mr. Biden any, uh, you know, any, any ill, but it's real clear there is something that is desperately wrong here. Um, we now face this wall that I talked about. In trying to speak the truth, we have a, an alliance between the, the radicalized Democratic Party, which is more and more radicalizing with the new groups coming in, into real just overt Marxism, uh, with the media who are suppressing speech they don't want. They, they give, give you some stories. They don't report others. They report some facts. They don't report others. And there are three rules in the media. This is stage number two is that, okay, number one, is this part of our narrative? Yes, they will pound it and pound it and pound it until you're sick of it. Okay, number two, sort of like the march that happened in Virginia, in Charlottesville, that they twisted around what the president said. If it looks like it could be made the narrative, they'll twist it around, and then they'll make it part of the narrative and pound it and pound it and pound it. If they can't do those first two things, then they will either avoid it or attack it. So these are purveyors of narrative. They are not reporters of news. And just those statistics that you cited, David, show that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we're seeing. Yes, we are. Okay, so we're facing massive censorship. They're trying to suppress the speech. And we can go on. I think we got a break. Yes, we here. do have a break. And you can check mark that right there because there are so many people that feel powerless, even on social media. Um, so we'll talk a whole lot more about this when we come back. The media, big tech conglomerate. Also, why is violence being welcomed by the ruling class, plus moral panic over COVID-19 and the race issue? When we come back with John Leffler on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We just mentioned the massive censorship that's taking place in America that we never thought we'd see, but here it is, and several processes that have taken hold, including um, an alliance of technology monopolies to shape narratives, and they've definitely started shaping in the government schools, media, big tech, now corporations, also a moral panic and uprooting of allegedly retrograde attitudes and histories, and an opening of borders to mass illegal immigration. Just a few points we will touch on uh, a little bit more, hopefully. But, John, there is a good point you made, and I think it has something to do with Romans 8.28 and this guy you were talking about. 
about some positive, a positive way to look at this. Right. Well, I think it's important to recognize that the reason censorship is here is we're winning any intellectual argument. We're That's winning it. Good point. Okay. So they have to suppress it in academia, in social media, mm. and on the regular media. They have to suppress our arguments. And if you notice, they deal with our arguments as a cliche. You hit a trigger word, boom, out comes the cliche and the attack, and that's supposedly doing it. So remember, we're standing on solid rock in terms of our worldview. They're standing on squishy sand that's constantly changing that will get them ultimately. Hmm. And remember those triple levels I talked about before of the types of people in the Democratic Party. Your, your friends and family that may be part of the first group, the nominal Democrat, they don't really understand what's happening. The true believers, the next level, they will be chewed up by their own system. Why? Because they endorse violence. Uh, during the break, David, you asked the question, why is it they can endorse violence against people that there are their opponents all at the same time they're preaching diversity and tolerance and, you know, all of the things justice. they do? Justice. Justice, right. But yeah. they don't want justice for other people because there's no uniformity of justice with postmodern thinking. Everything's relative. Everything yes. just sort of floats yeah. <laughs> and compartmentalized, like I described before. Hmm. Their compartment is the greater the good. We're the evil. See, we view them as people with bad and or dangerous ideas, but they're still people. We love them. They view us as evil people. That's right. And, yes. anything, and anything is open. That's why we have this. It's funny, I asked Kevin Sorbo yesterday um, how they get away with this kind of thinking unchallenged or, or, you know, I mean, really they're not. There's no accountability. They're unchallenged because they deem themselves um, moral. They have the, they're on the higher ground and they get away with it. And Kevin says, well, because they're evil, because their worldview is not obviously contrasting with ours. And that you're, you're said, you said exactly right, John. We look at them and say, hey, they're our neighbors. We're going to pray for them. We love them. We will not conform to their agendas, but we're going to pray for them. And we're still going to see them as human beings, whereas the left see us as not just bad people, but evil. They don't, even, they don't just think we're wrong and disagree with us. Now they think we are evil because we are whatever, so rigid in our Christianity or our faith. Right. Um, like, go and, ahead. And you have, to, you have to ask yourself, if that's true, what happened to the last 60 years of the civil rights movement since Dr. Martin Luther King? What happened to the foundation of the country? They say that, say, for example, racism and slavery is our uh, you know, original sin, unpardonable original sin. Well, that's balderdash. No sin is unpardonable other than the sin against the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we're all supposed to remember this sin over and over and over again. What happened to the fact that the United States, Great Britain, the Anglosphere eliminated slavery when slavery and totalitarianism has been the norm through the history of mankind? Hmm. They failed to understand. We worked it through. It was a bloody process. Hmm. It cost a lot of lives, but we got rid of it. And we have worked for a hundred years to get rid of the racism in this country. They're telling us that was all for naught. That's right. But th that's not the goal for the radicals. Remember class three, the power, money, and control people. These are just vehicles to get what they want, which is a, a, a totalitarianism. But listen, we got to have some hope. We may not get to Dr. Jaffe's things, <laughs> but I just told him during the break, why don't you just call him? I'll give you his contact and have him on your show. <laughs> we will. Uh, we'll do. Anyway, you have to remember, look. Our God is an annoying God. I want to write a song to that effect. Our God <laughs> is an annoying God. Uh, he constantly annoys me because he only gives me the information that I need to know mm. when I need to know it. I don't have the whole picture. I know the end game. Yeah, He gives us that in his word, but I don't know everything. The second thing is he just loves impossible odds. Mm -hmm. He loves it Yes, because he wants it to come down to the minute when it's all we're doomed. That's the end. It's over. And God says, ding, watch this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and the third thing is we are standing on something that's very concrete. There mm. are storms that are coming. We have an economic storm coming. We've got a couple of other sociological storms. We have geopolitical storms because you can see Russia and China getting ready to make a move on either Ukraine or Taiwan simultaneously. Hmm. And it's not really clear whether virtual President Harris is going to be able to deal with it or not. 
uh, in this thing, as well as sidling back up to the Irani the Iranians. And you can see what Saudi Arabia and Israel both will not tolerate. That we have major storms coming. That's okay. We're still standing on concrete. And that's where God wants us to stand. And when you don't know something, you say, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. What's my next step? He will show that to you. Mm-hmm. But you never get more than the next step that's right. unless it's important. You know, that's why he's, I said, you are the most annoying God I could ever serve. Now, that doesn't mean I don't love him, right? right. I'm just saying, he's always showing me that it's he who is doing it, not I. Yes, Hey, uh, John, uh, one more point I I would like to touch on, and that is what's happening, particularly at the southern border. Um, You know, there's this re-engineering of America taking place at breakneck speed, and the border is a huge example, opening of borders to mass illegal immigration. I know they're trying to change the demographics of America, so they're letting all the people in that they can so that they will, they think, end up voting for the Democrat Party. Now, how come there is not more of a pushback from our own Congress or an outcry from more Americans, or are their voices just not being heard? It's probably a host of different things. Notice, by the way, that kids are still being held in cages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember when President Trump, when we had this, and under Obama, that hasn't changed, but zip, the yep. media aren't reporting exactly. on it anymore. That's what you talked about before. Um I don't, I'm not opposed to immigration. You know, my father was an immigrant to this country. My grandfather on my adopted father's side was an immigrant to the country. Yes, my grandfather. I'm not opposed to that. And our immigration system is broken. It's desperately broken. Uh, we've been helping some people get visas legally to come into the country. Uh, and it's an unbearable, expensive process. What they want, and by the way, the second generation of Hispanics who come in, say you, you come across the border from Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras, uh, they come in and they become conservative and they want the good life. They move out of the, the menial jobs and they move upward. They don't even want to do the farm jobs anymore. And then they become more conservative because they realize that these left-wing values that, like, that have wrecked California, that's why people are fleeing out of the state and states like New York. They don't want those. They recognize it. The problem that you have is assimilation. We have less of a problem than they do with the guest workers in Europe because at least the people coming in from Latin America have a Judeo-Christian background. It's still, mm-hmm. it's a different culture. It's Hispanic culture. Right. But they at least have somewhat of a common background in Christianity. Uh, if people don't assimilate, then you have serious problems like you see in Europe. You suddenly have, it, it fractures. Remember <laughs> You have to remember, the Marxist dialectic, they get Group X fighting with Group Y. This is what's underplay today, thinking that each other is the problem, when in reality they're moving you to Z. Saul Alinsky said friction makes it all work. Yes. They're dividing, dividing, dividing. They don't care the issue, guys. They just care that it causes more division, because out of that they will get their movement. And the question is, will we reform? Some people are saying yes. Strauss and Howe in their book, The Fourth Turning, written in the 1990s, said we would go through this time and that we'd work it out. Uh, George Friedman from Stratford, his book is The Storm Before the Calm, says it'll be rough, but we'll work it out and move forward. That remains to be seen. Hmm. Let's go. We've got just four minutes left um, and a couple of really good points, a lot of great points in this article by Dr. Alex Jaffe, but one of them he said I thought really bears repeating, and that is the European-style social democracy with a large dependent class uh, presided over a permanent government overseen by an expert class of technocrats and ideologues devising top-down solutions to problems both real and invented. Now, this, I see the coronavirus all through this quote here. What the, the, These problems, they're coming in with the solutions, and they're creating more problems, more of a crisis, making it worse. And, of course, they have the answers, right? And this is what's, what people are frustrated by because we are, we're losing our freedoms in this country. Right. And remember the corona issue uh, with all of its complexity— uh, as I predicted, I said, this is going to open up a Pandora's box of mischief. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just an excuse because mm-hmm. the, the, the crowd that uses this dialectical process, meaning back and forth that I talked about, to create division, they don't care where it comes from. It's a crisis real, imagined, or contrived. Doesn't make any difference 
Mm. They'll use it. That's right. As long as an issue stops being useful, they will drop it and they will move on to the next issue. That's another reason why the, the woke crowd finally gets trashed. They get trashed by their own people. I think it's worth um, mentioning that what, one of the things we've always talked about on this podcast and you talk about all the time, the issue is never the issue. The issue is the revolution. And we're seeing that played out more clearly today. That's correct. The issue is never the issue. You have, once you understand the end game, once you understand the mechanics, everything else makes sense. Because, you know, Dave, just before we got on the air, you, you asked me a, a question and I said, you're asking a perfectly reasonable question and <laughs> I won't stand for it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, and that's because you and I are thinking along this logical path. They're not thinking in those terms. But once you understand the methodology, you can see exactly what's happening and you get to the end games. And that's what, look, these people are telling us we're a no good, very bad, perfectly awful, horrible, racist, xenophobic state. Right. And yet they run down to the southern border and say, come on in, guys. It's great here. It's great here. Well, wait a minute. If we're that bad, they should be telling everybody at the border, Alto, don't come here. Yeah. It's terrible. Go somewhere else. <laughs> this is that ongoing, rolling series of contradictions that we see. And our job is to sit there and go, but yesterday you said this, but today you're saying that. You're stupid. You know, what do you, what do you mean? This is amazing because I just, I'm shaking my head when you're saying that because, yeah, why? first of all, why would so many people want to come to this land, to America, to this nation? They know our history. They know the freedoms. They even the worst we've seen here is better than most of the countries that these people come from. Some of the, if you've never been there, and I have, it's pretty bad. And they know it's better here, and they really don't care about what we think about racial theory, critical race theory, which is nothing but a revamp of critical class theory that was all the rage among the cultural Marxists back in the 1950s. They don't care. Our adversaries, the Chinese, don't care if Asian Americans are offended because somebody said the wrong thing, you know, uh, on the media. They're arming up to be serious. It was Bill Maher, you know, and you know Bill, and we probably don't agree with 98% of what he says. <laughs> but Bill said Americans have become a very silly people worrying about stupid stuff when our adversaries are ramping up to do serious warfare. And that's that we're in danger. Yes. This has permeated our military, it's permeated everything. Wow. So much going on right now. John, thank you for bringing that, the biblical perspective, though, and showing people, reminding people God is sovereign. He's going to surprise us. We know what's coming, and the end is good for those who believe. John Leffler, steelonsteel.com. Thank you, brother. God bless you. God bless. Take care. Thanks, John. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of the week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications, Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, Julaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. Monday, Pastor Shane Eidelman of Westside Christian Church in Southern California. And we have our Q Drive fundraiser next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I want to shout out to some friends who have been pledging and sending in their donations. We heard from North Carolina, Ohio, uh, Colorado and Michigan recently. So thank you guys. We're blessed to be able to stream online at Q90FM.com and we're blessed to be, able to be able to send out the Standard for the Truth podcast to those who subscribe. You, when you pray for us and when you donate to the ministry, you make it all possible. So thank you. God bless you and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>